Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Joanne Lara. Miss Lara is an expert in the field of movement therapy. She is a professional dancer turned educator and founder of the Autism Movement Therapy Organization. Miss Lara is a columnist for Autism Asperger's Digest and is the author of the book, Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain a practical guide for the use of movement and music to stimulate brain function. And so a movement and music program very early on. I have a colleague that's in London that's, that developed a program called Movement Works. Her name is Allie Golding. We kind of found each other. She does a three, four, and five-year-old program that's very similar to mine. She uses sign language. It's fabulous. Movement, music, and sign language. You know, these, and it doesn't get any better than that because these little guys don't, you know, they can't, one, they can't tell us what they're thinking. Two, they don't know what the variables are in the environment. And um, uh, three, they're not able to communicate. So she's developed the perfect program for uh, the deficit skill set of little tiny ones. And it's all based on movement and music and, and uh, gross motor and um, communication and imitation. So dance is imitation. So if we go back to what is movement and music really doing in a body-brain connection, it's asking us to hear the music, to imitate the movement, to use the back of the uh, occipital lobe to execute the gross motor skill and then to dance and put it all together because the body has to move as one. It doesn't get any better than that. So what we're finding is, is evidence-based research is showing us that everything that comes through movement and music and a body-brain connection, wow, why weren't we doing this 20 years ago? Because we have a lot of older kids that didn't get served in the art area, didn't get served in the speech and language area. They didn't get served. And they are that school-to-couch model. They are living that model. That's a reality for them. And it doesn't have to be. You know, if we intervene early with these little guys, we can get them up to speed. A lot of these kids can be brought up to speed before they get into a kinder setting and do real well in a full inclusion kinder class. And and, and I've even had kids that lose their eligibility of special ed when they get into a middle school. They go to a 504 plan. 504 plan helps them and, and supports them where they need it. And they don't, they don't have to graduate from high school with a special ed eligibility IEP. And I think that's important. It's something we should look at. We should begin to be looking at more because we don't. Once we put these kids in special ed, they stay there for the rest of their academic life. We, if we were to begin to look at, hey, let's start evaluating. Let's start moving. Let's start getting art programs in school settings. Let's start getting that body-brain connection going, intervention. And then into the Let's start getting these kids so off have special a shot ed. at having a life. IEPs. And they, and have, friends, and they have a job to go to. You know, they, it's just, it's not, it's dismal at 22. I was on Hillary Clinton's Disability Employment Task Force team for 10 months. We were desperately trying to get Hillary in the White House. And um, there were about 15 of us on my employment disability team area on her task force, about 150 on the whole task force. But my specific was disability and employment. 
And um, I had the pleasure of working with one of the co-authors of Americans with the Disability Act. So that's that's how wonderful it was with the group of people. That, the group of people I was working with were not just people uh, with autism. I was the only one actually that was bringing in uh, from an autism point of view. They were people who were amputees in wheelchairs, uh, individuals who were blind, uh, you know, all disabilities. And it was a really great eye opener for me because I got to see firsthand where where the where the uh, loopholes are in the government and the glitches are in why these kids aren't getting served in these areas. They're not getting served because the Department of Rehab, SSI, and EdGov in the Department of Labor, nobody knows what the other one's doing. And until we get all of those four people brought together as a team, I don't think we can serve these guys because what happens is they graduate at 22, and then they have to apply for a number of jobs and get turned down before they can even go to the Department of Rehab. What's wrong with the picture? You're setting them up for failure and then going, well, when you fail, go over there to the Department of Rehab and see if they can teach you a skill set. We have to teach our guys a skill set that equates to a paycheck. We can't ask employers to gratuitously or give our people charity jobs. That's not it because they don't, they don't make it in those jobs. We need to go back to the drawing board. We need to incorporate movement and music in our education system, bring back the arts. And all kids, not just kids with disabilities, all kids should be having art from three on, pre-K on. You need an art program. It should be a full enrichment program of all of the arts. And then we need a vocational training center, mm -hmm. I believe, in middle and high school. And so when you graduate, you can work at a bakery. You can work at a horticulture uh, center. You can work at a nursery. You can work at a car deal detailing place. You can work as a computer graphic artist. You can't, I mean, there's, it goes on and on and on. There's skill sets that can be, you could be an electrician or a plumber. Any of the skill sets that equate to a paycheck, we're waiting for these guys to graduate and then try to teach them something. And the employers don't want to, and especially if it goes up to 15, and uh, if we have minimum wage in California, it's 10.50 now, it'll go up 15 to $15 an hour. Employers don't want to pay people they have to train. What needs to be done? What needs to happen more actively? Do you need to be going to schools to nationally to talk about this to the districts to share this information with the staff so there are changes within the districts even if it's not nationally that each school district will make these changes i developed a program that's an umbrella under my 501c3 autism movement therapy called autism works now that's a eight-month curriculum based assessment driven program to teach pre-employment to job skill sets to individuals 17 and older. So more of those, please. So uh, we're teaching what to wear, how to research the kind of job you want to do. Uh, how do you talk to your coworkers? What time should you show up for an interview? How do you get an interview? All these things that we take for granted. Do you have an email? You cannot have a job without an email. Do you think that most of our kids with autism, moderate to severe, have an email? No, they don't. Do they know how to check it? No, they don't. Do you go in for an interview? 
And did they email you if you got the job? Yeah, I rest my case. Then what are we doing in the public school system? The public school system is supposed to be preparing these guys for work and job after after high school. And they don't have an email? Okay, I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. Are you then contacting caregivers? That's the next piece that I was going to ask you because, of course, as you know, this program is geared towards supporting caregivers. I wanted to ask you, I was curious about how involved are the caregivers of these kids that you are helping in the programs in not just participating, but then helping them make that transition themselves since they're not getting the support that they need outside. This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically. Would you pick up the phone and call? Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. All right, so it starts, good question, too. It starts back, way, way, way back in, and this is where caregivers can learn something, take note. It starts when the child is three and he goes to a public school system or a school or some kind of setting that's different from at home with mom. We are giving that individual the vision of himself in the job force. We, this, is, this is the scenario that plays out. Mother goes to a party, two kids, one's neurotypical, the other has autism. Oh, look at, oh, that, your daughter's so bright. Yeah, she's going to go to Yale. She's going to go to law school. She's so smart. Oh, what about your other little guy over here? Oh, well, he likes Thomas the Train. And the person says, oh, yeah, you know, my son loved Thomas the Train, too, you know. But the issue is that this guy is 12 years old. He's not five. Thomas the Train is for five, three, four, five, and six-year-olds. He's still talking about Thomas the Trainer and he's 12. And everybody goes, oh. <laughs> Instead of taking that piece and saying, oh, yeah, you know what? He loves trains. He's going to work at a train station probably. He could be taking tickets. There's a lot of jobs at train stations or, or, you know, subway stations or metro stations. Hello, metro station. There's a job there for him. But he, nobody took the opportunity to show him and to give him that feeling that, yeah, he's 12, he likes Thomas the Train, you know what, he might be going to work at a train station. So we want to take every opportunity as a caregiver, as an educator, an OT, service providers, ABAs, um, a speech and language path, to begin to give these guys a vision for what their life is in the community every time we're with them. And we still have this mindset that there isn't a place for them in the community because many people don't really believe there is. 
they don't want to give false hope or they don't want to give, you know, uh, something that's not a reality, but that's how you change reality. You give the tools to the individual with a disability to say, I want to work at the train station. Well, guess what? That school better get, get popping. They better get him a job coach and they better get him over to that train station. They better get him taking tickets over there. That's what the, how the change is going to come about. It's not going to come about by us going, well, do you think he's really going to be able to make it in the job setting? That's not for us to decide. We need to give them the school, the skill sets to do it and then push them out there. It's not going to happen going district to district, I don't believe. Uh, although I am a writing a book, uh, Autism uh, Works Now Method, for Jessica Kingsley Publishers. It's my second book for them, and it's for secondary school systems. So you give parents the idea that, hey, guess what? The community believes that there's a place for your child, and it's called a job. And they're like, what? Nobody's ever said that to me before. Do you really think he's going to have it? Yeah, we're all going to work together to make that happen and make that a reality. The parents are the ones that are going to push it through. But I'm going to push it through on a national, well, I want to push it through on a national basis, like on Good Morning America, <laughs> where I can really hit a lot of those parents that are at home. She's talking about a job for my guy. My guy is of severe autism, and she's talking about a job for him. There would be nothing for people with special ed, for special needs, if it weren't for those parents. They made it happen, and they can make this happen, too, if we can empower them. And they have to empower their children. Because, let's face it, that's how we all became who we are. Our parents are the ones who empowered us to be successful adults. And it's not happening in the special needs area. Absolutely. So very well said, Joanne. And so in the process of putting into practice this method that is changing the physiology of the brain and function, you are at the same time empowering parents to use this abilities that the kids are acquiring to empower their kids to have a vision for a better, potentially hopeful future. I wrote an article. I'm a columnist for Autism Asperger's Digest. You said that in the intro. And I have been working with them for three years. Temple Grandin is our lead. So <clears throat> it's a very uh, well-respected group of columnists, and we contribute every three months with an article. And... Um, I spent about six months on a transition article. It took me a long time to write it. I've written a couple of transition articles, but this one was about what's out there for your child when, you know, is residential, uh, employment, what does that look like? You know, and I can sit here and talk, but, you know, uh, I needed to do my due diligence. Let's put it that way. And I started going to these places, visiting, flying there, you know, and seeing what these residentials look like. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but it's costly. You got to pay. And what I found was that the vocational skill set still it had gone out of this, the public school system. And so I, I, I said, why? What happened to that? When I went to school, every, you could take woodworking, you could take metalworking, you could take car, you know, blah, blah, blah. there was lots of, lots of vocational training. What happened to those vocational centers? And what I found was that when uh, George W. Bush came into office in 2000, he brought with him a No Child Left Behind Act. 
and it was for highly qualified educators. You, you know, he meant well. I, I think it, it. I think in the long run, as we look back at retrospect, seventeen years ago, it it did a lot of good. It did more good than it did harm. Uh, he said, "Look, a lot of our kids can't read and write. You know, we're not competing in the global market, and we need highly qualified educators to be teaching." So he ups the ante on credentialing. Very good. I like that. Up the ante on. You needed to be more qualified to do the, you know, to be authorized to do what you did as a teacher, whether it be general ed or, or special ed. But in that rush to get everybody qualified, you see all of our vocational educators didn't meet the mark. They were woodworkers and metal workers and horticulture people. They were people that had a skill set that those other people didn't have. And so as they tenured out of the public school system, they were not replaced because it was hard. It would be hard felt to find a metal worker with a credential that Bush was asking for, or a woodworker with a credential that Bush was asking for. The, the faculty wasn't there to support vocational centers. They can be brought back. They were. They were. They actually were an institution in this country since 1917. When the turn of the century, when the age of industrial revolution had happened in Europe and had come to here, come to the States, people realized that there were going to be a number of people that weren't going to go to uh, college anymore. They were going to do the skill set jobs. And that's how we got vocational centers. So they've been around for a long time. My idea is that if you if we put vocational skill set training back at centers or have just vocational schools, we make them not just for all people, not people with disabilities, we make it an inclusion model for anyone that's not going to go an academic route and who wants to learn a trade. Now, this is the way Germany educates. Many uh, countries, are, developed countries in Europe educate this way. So if you're not going to go academic route, you're going to go vocational route. And vocational, you're going to learn a skill that when you graduate from school, you know how to do. And then someone says, oh, an employer says, we want that skill. Can you come work for us? In other words, we, we, we can take the emphasis off academics. It's been put on far too long, I think. And, and give them a reason to come to school. I totally agree, Joanne, and, and you have such great passion about this. I want to have you talk to us about Generation A, because that was an extremely interesting project, and that touches a little on what we've been talking about, correct? Absolutely. Well, that's the arts. Generation A Portraits of Autism and the Arts is a documentary that I made. Um, it's three years in the making, and we follow eight individuals who excel in the arts area uh, with autism. And we profile my movement and music program, and we profile Exceptional Minds, which is a animation school for post high school students who are very, very serious about animation. They are supplying, many of their candidates are now working when they go through the school at Marvel, at Disney, at Nickelodeon. I mean, these are, these are really gifted kids in animation and um, music, singers. Um, and we've aired, I think, on about 150 PBS stations across the country. We're on iTunes, on my website, autismmovementtherapy.org. You can also buy the Autorobics DVD, 
which is the DVD I spoke with you about. That's the first product that I made that was going out into the homes that parents were using with the kids, where the mothers were saying, hey, my kid's talking. You know, I was like, whoa, great. And then we have the book, Autism Movement Therapy Method. That's uh, that's a methods book that uh, you can also buy on my website, Jessica Kingsley Publishers. I think it's on Amazon. That you can get everywhere. That's everywhere. And then soon in June, we'll have Autism Works Now. And... Um, so I have a lot of information. Generation A is wonderful. You should you know, definitely watch it. It's all about the power of the arts and how it empowers our kids to be the best they can be. It's very, it's very powerful, very powerful. You see, and we shot over three years. So you see the transition of many of these kids through the arts, how it really served them. Again, arts need to be brought back into the school system. I'm curious about what was the reception? What was the, what kind of responses did you get? We're waiting to hear about Netflix, which will (laughs) even reach more people. Families are beginning to see, you know, mothers are savvy now. 20 years ago, mothers were not savvy. They listened to people and they were at the mercy of the people that served their kids. We have so much information online. There's so much available to them. You don't, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to live in the dark as a parent anymore and say, well, I don't know, you know, he's going to ABA or he's doing OT or speech and language. You can be a part of that, a real part of that. And parents should be a part. It's a transdisciplinary team now. And no one, I think no one should feel like they're the only service that this child needs. Think you assess the child it's case by case and you figure out what's going to be the best for them but it should always be inclusive of an R program and I think these service providers are now beginning to see that early on when I started doing my certification workshops because I I do three a year in Los Angeles but then I do globally like this year I'll go to Paris in March I'll go to London in June I'll go to back to India Delhi in August, and I think I go to Singapore in October. So, you know, that's a lot of traveling and taking a 10, a 10 hour, two day workshop. It's, it's a lot of work, but I get to reach a lot of people that way through certification workshops where people come and learn how to do a movement and music program. And a lot of them are parents, a lot of them are administrators, a lot of educators. I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm able to bring it. I mean, I've been able to to influence um, families across the planet. Joanne, you are changing the world one dance at a time. Yeah, I love that. It's a beautiful thing. You're a beautiful person as well. I just feel honored that you have shared your hour with us to to bring us this very powerful, important information. I want you to take a minute before you leave us today. Two things that I would like to have from you before you go. The first one is if you had one thing you had the chance to change in the school districts right now, what would be that one change that you would start with? Arts in the school system and vocational training. What is the one thing a caregiver can do to not just improve the lifestyle of the person they love and care for, in this case, the kids with autism, but their own life. What would you say that they, this is the one thing that they should do if you had an opportunity to share that with them? Empower the individual with a vision of what his, what his contribution is to the community. That's fantastic. And that's that's truly life-changing because the theme that's underlying all this that I keep hearing is giving hope. 
is just yeah. giving those kids hope. And you're utilizing art as a modality to give them hope of what they can do. I thank you so much for what you're doing, for your mission. Tell us before you go again, the name of your book. If there's someone that has heard you today, they're inspired. They want to know more about you. They want to know more about what you're doing. They want to communicate with you. How can they do that? Okay, good. The book is Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain. That's the movement and that's the body brain connection. But it also gives an outline of what it, what the music that I use is and what um, what the design of the classroom should look like. And then along with the philosophy, my philosophy about autism and our kids. And then the documentary is Generation A, Portraits of Autism in the Arts. The Autorobics DVD is like a workout DVD. So I have a lot of educators in the school system across the country using it. They can, it's all, the, the levels are only 11 minutes. So you can, there's four levels and you can do level one, two, three, and the last one's a hip hop. I don't teach it. Uh, Julius English does. He's a guy that's a real hip hop. Um, but the levels are scaffolded and they're only 11 minutes. So it's a real wake up the brain and teachers can use that in a school setting and do it at the top of the day and get the kids, you know, directional changing is the biggie in movement and music. Directional changing over and starting and stopping. All that are, are um, activating the cortical cortex. So you want to do that. You can do that in 11 minutes with that DVD. It's called Autorobics DVD. And then my new book is, is Autism Works Now Method, secondary, teaching secondary pre-employment skills in the secondary school system. And what else? Oh, autismmovementtherapy.org is the movement and music website. Autismworksnow.org is the uh, pre-employment skills to jobs. Those are two different websites. The certification workshops are on the Autism Movement Therapy website. The schedule's on the homepage. Joanne, thank you so much. I can see that our time went so quickly because you have so much to share. I would love to have you back sometime and you can share more with us. So, you know, when your new book is out, because I know it's in the process of coming out, would you come back to visit us? Absolutely. And we look forward to hearing from you again, Joanne. Best wishes in your travels. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Joanne Lara. Miss Lara is an expert in the field of movement therapy. She is a professional dancer turned educator and founder of the Autism Movement Therapy Organization. Miss Lara is a columnist for Autism Asperger's Digest and is the author of the book, Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain a practical guide for the use of movement and music to stimulate brain function. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement. And don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for more tips on lifestyle improvement.